Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, listeners. This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rogue from Flame On right here on the Nerdy Show Network. If you're looking for some sweet nerdy queer in your ear, then head over to nerdyshow.com slash flame on and check us out. We cover everything from TV to movies, comics to drag queens, and so much more. For a gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, get ready to flame on. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom. From comics and video games to science and technology, if it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hey, I'm Cap, and this episode's going to sound a little different because it's recorded in the living room of a house in Nashville, Tennessee, and there's two dogs here, one of which you can hear eating. There's a bird enjoying itself way too much outside. My standards are completely compromised by this recording, but that's okay because I'm joined by two wonderful friends whom you haven't heard from in a very long time. With me is Colin Chapman Peterson. Hey. You can do better than that. Hi. It's me. It's me, Colin. And also, Luke McDuffie. Hey, I'm back, baby. It's been a a very long time for both of you to be on the show. So uh, let's see. In this episode, we're going to talk about my adventures in Nashville, Tennessee this past week in which I saw Weird Al Yankovic perform on his vanity tour, which is the, the, the Weird Al Yankovic performance of a lifetime, one that Colin and I have been daydreaming about for years, not believing that anything closely resembling our daydreams and fantasies could even remotely happen. And uh, we're going to talk about that and then all the other fun stuff that we did. But dudes, it's been a very long time. What's shaking? What, what you been doing? I mean, working, uh, yeah. living life, uh, spawning. Yeah, yeah you, have, um, you have a baby. Yes, a two-year-old plus child. Yeah, being a father is pretty great, especially being a a nerd father. You put him to bed, and then you know, then you can do all the all the things that you need to do in order to satisfy your nerddom, playing video games and playing D anD D and board games and such. But um, yeah, oh, and my board game obsession has grown significantly. When Cap came, uh, they were very taken aback by my board game closet, which is reaching all the way up to the ceiling. Yeah, so. I mean. Admittedly, Colin, I've seen worse, but not from you. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of games. A lot of games that are still in shrink wrap because they haven't been played. Well, you've done an interesting job of facilitating your addiction by staging game nights to validate the fact that you've spent this money. <laughs> you cross 30 and socialization becomes like a challenge. It's true. It's true. It's like, oh, okay, great, awesome. So, uh, yeah, I need to play these games that I don't have enough people to play with. Just on the regular, so a game night. Let's make a thing. You arrange play dates for yourself. You do. You do. <laughs> I don't. Oh. Well. I do. Even if I don't have kids, everybody else is married and reproducing. Yeah, houses, married, day jobs. We're all getting there. Dogs drinking from toilets. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, hey. <laughs> it's wild. It's the wild west up here, man. <laughs> <laughs> there was a game night while I was here, and we yep. played a game called Sonar, which is like Captain Sonar. Captain Sonar, which is don't like, demote him. Well, it's a weird thing to call it Captain Sonar because that sounds like a superhero name when, in fact, it's just a high functioning battleship for thirty somethings. Yeah. It's a little bit of Artemis, and it's a little bit of Battleship. Yeah, that takes four people to play one side of the battleship screen. Yeah, no, because you're. Yeah, it's eight people against uh, two teams of four against each other where there are four different roles and um, there's a captain, a radio operator, an engineer, 
and uh, a first mate. And every single one of those uh, four team members has a very intricate and very um, uh, connected role in order to make the ship function correctly. And they all have to communicate to each other um, effectively in order to sink the opposing uh, battle, uh, the opposing submarine. I was just talking to a friend of mine about how we all need to get Artemis, and this sounds like it could scratch the itch. I'm in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Artemis is a wonderful game. Artemis is better than Captain Sonar, but Captain Sonar requires uh, eight people and no computer hardware. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a bit easier to get into Captain Sonar. <laughs> yeah, and then we played the Resistance, and that was fun. Yeah, Resistance. The, the Resistance is like, what if Werewolf had more moving parts? Yeah. And I liked it better. Yeah. How about you, Luke? What's what's new? I have been developing very detailed opinions about Star Trek. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, go, go on. We, we specialize in those now. Star Trek Discovery, not very Star Trek, and I don't like it very much. The Orville, very Star Trek, and I do like it very much. Mm. This is my very detailed opinion about Star Trek. I feel like we got to get you and Bohr and Brandon in a room. And then, like, well, cage match style. <laughs> hold, hold up, though. Like, Boar's gotten to the point where he enjoys Discovery, but will openly admit, this is not a Star Trek show. Yeah. And it sounds like... But Discovery you, was on, like, the top 20 nerdy things. It's, like, one of the greatest no, things. No, the Orville was. Discovery uh, wasn't even mentioned. <laughs> maybe, well, it was... I think maybe it was mentioned it was, in contrast to Orville. Yeah. Gotcha. But I, I think that it sounds like Luke and Boar are... Of a pretty similar thing. Gotcha. Brandon, on the other hand... He loves Discovery, right? Yeah, he throws some shade. He doesn't know about Star Trek. He only knows about birds. <laughs> so you're enthused about the second season of Orville. Absolutely. And uh, Discovery and its pay-to-watch format can get bent. Yeah. there. Are, I will say, Discovery has hints of what I like about Star Trek in it, but they are only hints, so they're going to have to throw a lot more in there before <laughs> I will be on board. Right, right. <laughs> Colin and I went to Chattanooga, which is about two hours away. Yeah. And you'd never been to before. I've never been to. I mean, I've been through, but I've never been. And a lovely city. Lovely city. Yeah, not like, just I an would, aquarium. Yeah. I would move. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, like, their, that's their city slogan. It's yeah. <laughs> not, not just an aquarium. aquarium. I, honestly, I honestly wish that I, I honestly wish that I lived there now because it feels like the way that people talk about Nashville, because Nashville is an extremely quickly growing city as with many large metropolitan areas um but nashville is i mean they talk about how like 30 people new people a day come to Jeez. come into nashville yeah. yeah and the traffic's getting worse and all sorts of fun stuff but chattanooga feels like the way that people talked about how nashville was <laughs> and so um it's a beautiful town the streets are super wide and clean and everybody's friendly it's got that southern hospitality feel and they've got great ice cream oh and fuck yeah. um the one of the largest pedestrian bridges in the world that we walked <laughs> across and these really sweet caverns that we went to the raccoon caverns. yeah so we should start why were we were there because weird al took his uh his tour there and he hadn't announced a nashville date yet so i was like well he's not coming to florida right colin and i have been he's still not coming to florida. right yeah that that has, has not happened so, Colin, I've been dreaming about the, a tour like this for a while. We should describe the tour as well. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, the tour is his. Uh, I don't know all the different uh, adjectives, but he's using, but it's his, his vanity tour where he's playing all uh, only, um, at least for the most part, um, his self-written songs. Yeah. So, so if so you're not familiar about, yeah, with uh, not, with what a Weird Al album looks like, and if you're listening to this show, I'm betting you are familiar with what a Weird Al album looks like, but there's parodies and there's songs that are considered style parodies, but are right. for the most part originals. Like his most famous one is Dare to be Stupid, which is in the style of Devo, but is not actually a Devo parody. Right. Uh, so in in this case, he never tours with these other songs or he very seldom does well that's because you know the masses want the covers they want what yeah what they want they know him for they want the parodies and uh and and he when when he when he tours typically with those parodies he comes with costume changes and videos and this like very complicated presentation and now this is a stripped down tour where he's performing the songs that he's put the most songwriting into and is most passionate about and that his diehard fans are likewise most passionate about yeah 
It was defense. awesome. No, mm-hmm. no, it is. I mean, yeah. and truly, and he went all the way back to. I mean, there were cuts from in 3D. The first record, there and were cuts from. even worse, and the weird, just the Weird Al. I mean, like it was amazing. Like some of the some of the tracks that he was playing, and it was a wide mix of his uh, discography. It wasn't just the new stuff, and it wasn't just the old stuff. It was a really wide swath of his um, his originals. And the cool thing that I found about Weird Al's very specifically is his audience because you look around um, at all the people who were at the Walker Theater in Chattanooga and uh, there were kids from ranging from like six and seven and then going all and then like um, you know gray hairs like you know 60, yeah. 70 year old folks. I've heard him talk about before how he's got three, four generations yeah, of fans and it's, things and it's four. awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome like how many people love Weird Al and, and, and love him this much. Yeah, I might add. exactly. And he did not. He did not expect this kind of um, fan uh, appreciation and uh, want for all for this kind of for this kind of music because he thought that people wanted. You know, I'm going to give people what they want. I'm going to play the parodies, but no. We also want yeah. Albuquerque. Thing. Yeah. Did he yes. perform Albuquerque? He did not. Not at ours. Al- <laughs> but but we had a, we we kept ourselves blind about his set list until seeing the show, and then afterwards I read through all the set lists on the ride home. <laughs> but um, Albuquerque is in his roster, and um, Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota is in his roster. <laughs> but he he opened with a live performance of Fun Zone, the instrumental from UHF, which is normally something they play like as a pre-show thing. So I actually thought that that was like. Like, but this is the the whole live band performing it, and, and Al's band are really well regarded as, as wonderful musicians, and they were doing stuff way more complex than anything they usually do throughout this entire show. So they opened with Fun Zone. I thought that was normal. That was actually not normal for this tour. That was that sometimes they perform it in the middle of a show, and then immediately following that, he went directly into Nature Trail to Hell. Yeah, <laughs> and that was. Unbelievable. I can't imagine a more perfect opener than getting hyped with Fun Zone, Weird Al then noodling in a very gothic way on his accordion, and then going straight into one of his all-time greatest sleeper hits. <laughs> it was sublime. And it was awesome. We and lost they, our minds. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Cap and I talked about how after that song, we were we were like, okay, cool, we can go home. Because I mean, like, it was because it, it satisfied everything that we ever wanted was just hearing Nature Trail to Hell. Yeah, everything else was icing on the cake. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was amazing. I've never had an experience that was literally that. Like, you know, people talk about that all the time. Oh, I could have gone home. I mean, like, really, like, I mean, the rest was incredible. But yeah. like, I mean, I was so satisfied in that one moment. Yeah, yeah it's true. And uh, no, they played Nature Trail to Hell. He played Midnight Star. We had the Jackson Park Express. Oh, a ton of I his. I remember Larry. Yeah, a ton of his like his like murder ballads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Horoscope for today. Uh, no, <laughs> but that is, that is, the it is in the tour. Yeah, yeah. It is in the Colin did a music video for that back in high school, so he was really well, disappointed we yeah, didn't hear I that didn't one. Yeah, I didn't want to see. I did. And we we both were really wanting Hardware Store, but he has yet to perform that. And we think there's a good possibility that Hardware Store is technically impossible to perform. Oh. Yeah. With all of the different production uh, elements of that of that song, yeah, so I, we're supposed to be bringing that down for this tour. I can't <laughs> but also, also he was on tour with Emo Phillips. Emo yeah. Phillips opened for him, performing like a full comedy yeah, set, yeah, half an hour set, and mm-hmm. it was exquisite. Like was. I've I've listened to all three of Emo Phillips live records, and this was absolutely a, the upper echelons of that. The guy is an incredible craftsman of wordplay comedy. Yes. The setup that you expected to go somewhere, and then the subversion into something else. Always subverting expectations, and even taking the, the subverted expectations, and I don't know that this is a normal thing for him, but taking it into the physical realm. Yeah. Like, there was a point where, like, he did, he had two major physical gags on stage, like, and the one was where he came out, and he was wearing this big jacket, and he, he has a water bottle he's holding, and he, he throws it onto the, the stool that he's been given to sit on, and it bounces off. And so he's like, well, that didn't work. So it's kind of like he's reaching down to pick it up, but instead he pulls one from out of his jacket and throws it on there. It still doesn't work. And just keeps pulling water bottles out of all these concealed pockets until he's throwing them on the stool until and none of them work until he finally pulls out a banana, which then he just puts on the mic stand and then proceeds to hold the mic for the rest of them. <laughs> and then later on, he takes off his jacket like he's going to put it on the stool and starts shoving it into his pocket and it keeps going like the pocket's been cut out and it's just and it's just filling his pant leg yeah, his entire his entire jacket into his pocket which he does casually while he's still doing a bit yeah it was great 
It was great. No, Emo Phillips was awesome. And the cool thing about it, too, was that Weird Al was, like, just, like... I mean, he's always been an unbelievably professional and courteous performer. Um, he doesn't do a lot of mic chatter. He doesn't do a lot of, like, talking to the audience very much. Um, but he does do... Um, an amazing set where he just kind of he sits down and he's out there the whole time and they kind of just go from song to song to song yeah, to song to song. No, no encore as, yeah. as, as fortunately become the thing of the 20th century say fuck you to the encore. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then they did their bow and then they were done. But they, he played for a good solid like maybe an hour and a half yeah. an hour and 45 minutes. But it, I mean like a solid hour yeah. and 45 minutes. Like there was maybe of that hour and 45 minutes 10 minutes where he talked to the audience like maybe. the rest of it was all him them playing um what, and it was what awesome. I, I i didn't know one more minute was actually written about somebody which is crazy to me yeah. like like at some point in the early mid 80s weird al's heart was thoroughly broken he was in a writing slump and one more minute like trash talking this person <laughs> is what is what got him out of it. <laughs> You don't expect, like, he seems like a person who doesn't experience negative emotion. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's weird right. for it to yes. come out like that. Exactly. It was a great set. It was a really great set. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll link to the set list on this episode's yeah. page. But here's the thing. He did play parodies. Mm -hmm. But, oh, it wasn't what you thought was going to happen. <laughs> for example, there's this one part he's like, hey, uh, so is anyone here like the Grateful Dead? And, and a few people, like, unassured, like, they're like, Are we, am I, am I, if I say yes, am I being set up for a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Like he's like, well, we we love the Grateful Dead, so uh, here's a classic off American Beauty, and then he starts playing a song. I'm like, this is look, this is one of the few Grateful Dead albums I own. I don't recognize what the hell he's performing, and it's a, it's fucking dare to be stupid in the style of Grateful Dead. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Oh, that's brilliant. And, and then he has this closing medley, yeah. that is all of his best known parodies in completely different styles. Yep, like. Amish Paradise, I think, was in like the style of like a Latin jazz, easy listening kind of like <laughs> nail salon music. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was great. It was wonderful, and and then and then he closes every show with a different cover of a song, a random song. For ours, it was American Band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then he does he does do a quote encore, which is um he, he does the saga begins. he plays the saga begins which we we're both really confused by yeah like, and apparently we looked at the set list and it's literally that's the, what he closes every single show with was the saga begins and it makes me i question that just because i mean like it's a good song but i don't know why and that's become i felt like it's become a tradition because i feel like since that album has come out that's what he always he, he closes, closes with, with, like a Star Wars block. Yoda sometimes folded in there as well. Yeah, and it's just so. But well, it's there's, interesting. There's the, the obvious joke of having the saga begins at the end of your set. Yeah, be it. sure. But I was thinking, like, that's on Running with Scissors, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where he. I feel like that's where the his youngest generation of fans found him. Maybe that's why. Like sure. he's he's trying to get get to the kids, you know. Maybe. Although they're now our age, so maybe yeah. not. <laughs> well, and, yeah, well, and, and, and uh, Mandatory Fun is his biggest selling album of all time, and so now that's where all the young kids are coming from, yeah. is that record. It's just weird because, like, honestly, I, I mean, I want Al to do whatever makes Al happy, and if he loves that song, well, more power to him. Sure. But, like, that song is not, like, it is what it is, but, like, in this new era of Star Wars, like, that song needs to be changed or, like, updated yeah. to encompass like the whole entirety of the prequel that trilogy would be, that would or be cool. like or to fold into the phenomenon of prequel memes or something like that it could use either a retirement or a retool at this point because yeah. it's just not it's yeah. time and place was the 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 start of that of the prequel era when everyone was young and naive and now <laughs> things are very different yeah. now our star Tra star wars are bitter and cold <laughs> yeah but we don't we won't talk about that <laughs> It was a great show, and that's why we were in Chattanooga. Yeah. But in the process of, you know, spending two hours to get to Chattanooga, which we'd never been to, naturally we were going to spend the day in Chattanooga. Yeah. And the top thing to do, uh, of, of weird things to do in Chattanooga, was something called Raccoon Mountain Caverns. And uh, holy smokes, it was great. Now, I've been to some fine caverns. I've been to Luray Caverns, where they have an organ that plays on stalactites. I've been to Mammoth Caves, which is one of the most jaw-dropping in scale geological things you could ever wander through. Yeah, the, the history of that place is incredible. The little goth child in my brain is still stuck on the idea of an organ made of stalactites. <laughs> you it's wonderful. I highly recommend Luray Caverns. You yeah. have to see it. They do perform weddings down there. Oh, awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, 
it's a series of, of electronic mallets that go to that they search for the precisely correct tuned you know stalactites and stalagmites and and yeah and it's old it's very old this is a very old instrument one of a kind um but raccoon caverns is very fun and very cool and is the right scale of caverns for a casual jaunt through there i was i was I was dressed like I was going out to a show. I had my like purple heel boots on and like a dress, and it, you know I was not made for for spelunking at that point point yeah, in time. But, I had sandals on. I mean, it was not. But but it was it was a fine and the the, the average walking tour there is a, is a fine thing for that. You can totally wear that and it's cool. And also, there's a lot of wildlife in this cave. There's some really wonderful shaggy bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's several different kinds of of gooey salamanders. These huge spidery-looking crickets, and uh, and also a specific kind of spider that only lives in this cave—the crystal cave spider. Crystal cave spider, Neat. which is was, it made of crystal. It's like a fantasy it, monster. It, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it's kind of transparent-looking. Like, it is. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't see any of those, fortunately. Yeah. Fortunately, yes. <laughs> but here's the like. So we had an incredible guide named Justin. Yeah. Shout out to Justin. Justin, you were amazing. It was. We went on. You know, in the middle of a weekday. In the middle of the day, it was just us. It was just us. We could we could hang out in the dark a bunch. He let us. He let Colin and I like lead the way with a flashlight the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was super rad. But also, these caves. There's five miles of caves in there, most of which is not even touched on this walking tour. And they. Because this was like an hour. It was an hour, forty five minute to hour long tour. The one that we went on. Yeah. Um, the easy, the easy one. But they have like five different kinds of get yourself muddy and crawl through the birth canal of Mother Earth like kind of spelunking for super reasonable prices. I mean, like, I'm talking about coming up again just to do this. It's so cool. They give you all the equipment. You just wear clothes you want to get muddy and you slide through narrow corridors and crawl in your belly through all this muck and meet a bunch of bats and see an underground uh, waterfall. waterfall. And four and a half hours for $65. And I'm like, I'm doing this. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a really and the and the guides are unbelievably uh, knowledgeable and Justin was a super great guy and like he had answers to literally any question that we had and they were and, like and more geologically centered like nerd questions yeah Ooh, we, so go and pay just to support your local park ranger yeah you <laughs> yeah. go Justin yeah well he's th- this one th- it's privately owned as with many, oh, yeah. yeah as with many caverns like apparently they're privately owned the vast majority of them yeah yeah and so um yeah this this spot is privately owned and it's a uh, and it's weird like it doesn't have an entrance like you would expect a cave to have it basically there's like a house and then you like walk out onto the back porch which just happens to be attached to the side of a mountain and then you just go into the cave. Like, the cave and the house are one structure, neat. kind of. It's neat. Like, you don't... I did well, not think it, that that was going to be the case. You, ca- the only cavern you've been to is Mammoth, right? Correct, yeah. Which is a very, like, theatrical, you're going into a gigantic gaping hole in the yeah. earth yeah. thing. Well, in Luray, it's actually much the same. There's a visitor center, you walk down some stairs, and then you open up a, a very normal-looking door, and you're in a cavern. <laughs> <laughs> Ding this dong! What's the door? Oh, who's door here? Oh, Dracula! Oh, the heart of the earth, yes. <laughs> Hello, um, mole man. Yes. <laughs> so that's actually a rather common thing. That's but, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I've only but, been to the Bell Witch Cave up by Red River, and it also has a little shack, but that's about all there is. So. Yeah. No, the Bell. No, there's some like cap. If we want to do some caving stuff, the Bell Witch stuff. What's Bell Witch? Oh, it's man. a legendary critter around here. It's uh, really uh, yeah. It's uh, so. Is it like the Blair Witch? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> there was a family back in the history past, and. Uh, <laughs> I think they did something to this lady and she cursed them. So now it's a boogaboo that people see every now and again. Yeah, and it's up in, and, and there's a, there's a, and actually a stage play that was written for, yeah. uh, for the Bell Witch. And during, in October, um, that town puts on this show that's the same show that they've been doing for like, I don't know, eight years or something like that about the Bell Witch. And so there's a moment in the show where they just bust out with these kids um, do a clogging routine um, because I think that they like when it was written they were young and they were just incorporated in the show because they you know oh hey Jimmy I know you I'm gonna put you in the show and so the kids do a clogging routine and 
you can tell I've seen it relatively recently and it's the same okay. kids from the beginning when it first started <laughs> and you can tell that they are so sick of this fucking clogging <laughs> routine that they have done for probably 10 years at this point. It's gotten very Lynchian in the time <laughs> since I've been there. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so funny that it's like, I think that they're, one of them is coming back from college to do this to do this routine that they yes. have. <laughs> <laughs> to do this clogging routine. Um, yeah, man. No, the Bell Witch. It's a, it's a real deal. And they also have canoes, and that's fun. Up in northern Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole, there's a cave. There's, it's all sorts of cool of stuff. Of quirky things to do in America, that should have catapulted to the yeah. top of your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the, uh, but yeah, no, the caverns oh, are really cool. Okay. Homeboy Justin was also telling us that not at Raccoon Caverns, but at other local caverns, it is not uncommon to put to turn the 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 actual living caves into straight up Halloween horror night scare zones. Like I, they fill it. They fill the cavern with smoke and like with me fog, like you know, yeah. and then and then fuckers jump out at you and shit as you are walking through and the cavern. That sounds like an insurance nightmare. Yeah, and, but, and, but also <laughs> real bats sense. leave Batman shaped holes through the fog. <laughs> And I'm like, this is sounds dangerous as hell. How long before no one does this anymore? I want to go to one of these things. Or it's yeah. too late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's also, but it's like, because it's owned by a private company, like that's the kind of shit that they do. And like, also like the Boy Scouts were camping out. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today overnight in the caverns for a while like and so they were up just, until very recently up until very like number, recently like, i thought he was just, gonna be like oh yeah back in the 70s they yeah. stopped that but no like a couple years ago they stopped like, the boy scouts had free reign of this this <laughs> ca cavern and could camp anywhere they wanted let me crawl into that crevasse and yeah. like put my sleeping bag in there i don't know why it's a southern boy scout but anyway like but uh no it's a it's a really it's but they are Justin and the other guides are super, and it, and it feels like the company itself, while those things are a part of it, they're also very proud of and um, very protective of the caves themselves and the creatures that live inside of it. Um, probably not as much as like what the Forest Service would probably do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, it's, pretty, it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, like... I w I'm I'm sad that I never knew of these caves and caverns while they had a Halloween Horror Nights experience yeah. inside of it because that would be terrifying and amazing. That's the setup um, to a horror movie. Oh yeah! Oh no, totally. <laughs> You're underground. Like there's only way one way in, yeah. one way out. And how the I mean like I've seen clips of the core. I don't want to. <laughs> and yeah. then and then also shout out to Clumpy's ice cream. This is one of my favorite things about the 21st century. There's a lot of problems right now, but we have like these boutique eateries that perpetually blow my mind yeah. i'm so thrilled that i can walk to i can go to any up-and-coming township of any scale and there's going to be this ice cream place it's like our job is to dazzle you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had an orange sesame almond uh Ooh, there's too many adjectives. infection and it was it was oh, it was breathtaking there was a mint julep one that one was, was really good. it was subtle and nice what did you get i had icebox lemon mm -hmm. tart or yeah. something like that. it was if you love if you love they lemon things, their, wa their waffle, their waffle cone. I mean, I I told Colin you can bury me in this lemon ice box. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've I have lived in Nashville all my life, and so the encroaching like kombucha people is strange to me. But some part of me resists it, <laughs> but the other part of me is glad that we all of a sudden have like Thai restaurants yeah, and that's like right. a variety of foods and like. 
people. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of food, Cap experienced uh, Prince's hot chicken for the, <laughs> for the first time. Let me give you a little background. So Prince's hot chicken, the reason why you've heard of Nashville as being a hot chicken mecca is because of Prince's. Prince's, well... Because there's buffalo chicken, yeah, and that's a spicy chicken. chicken. Yeah. But then there's hot chicken, which is more like a dry rub, or it's like the spices, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's a spice mix, but it's it's a it's in a very intense, especially in there's varying degrees of spiciness level from all the way from mild, and depending on what establishment you're going to, there are some places uh, that have you know hot, extremely hot, extremely extremely hot. Uh, and then, you know, there's another place, Hattie B's, that does uh, shut the cluck up and damn hot and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, um, but Prince's, uh, the legend goes that the way that this hot chicken was made was that um, uh, a husband was uh, philandering on his wife and came home and the wife found out about it and always loved making, you know, he loved hot chicken. Like that was his, no, he loved chicken. Fried chicken, like that was his thing, fried chicken. And then she put uh, cayenne pepper all over it, and he loved it. And so that was that was how hot chicken was born, was because, you know, the family, Prince's, the husband, was um, an adulterer. Um, so, <laughs> so, it sounds a lot cuter in the store. <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, Prince's is the original Nashville hot chicken, and Cap was able to try it for the very first time. And you, the first, we got it. You actually have had it twice now on this trip. Yep. The first time you tried it, I recommended the hot, and you were like, "Ah, oh, this is this is this is," and I can just do the hot because it builds. There's a yeah. build. There's a building process in hot chicken. And Cap tried the hot chicken, and they were like, "Man, this is the spot," but it's not spicy enough. So you went one level higher. Yeah, well, I, I hung out with the Proto Men yesterday, and we, we wanted to do two things. We wanted to eat hot chicken and play video games. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, understandably. Yeah. By the way, Act 3 is coming along just fine, folks. I haven't heard any more than you've heard, <laughs> but I know that it's like at a state of they've got all the parts together, and now they need to make them sound really good. Yeah. So I don't have a date. I don't have any extra information, but and they're putting their time in it. And it's gonna be wonderful. It'll be worth the wait. Don't 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 sweat it. The way they described it is that there's nothing now in the way of finishing it. Yeah, like all of the projects that they had outstanding are now complete. And there very well may be a mild thing to hold you over in the interim. Another one, mm. but another one nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> they just can't help but make but do things well no there's there's been they they throughout their careers some stuff gets recorded some right. things get done and then you know and those get sh shuffled off to other parties to finish up so they're not doing anything that's taking away from act three yeah but other <laughs> things are happening in their orbit that will enable them to keep everyone amused while they're waiting. <laughs> Is there like a George R. R. Martin thing going on where people are yelling at them because they're working on their version of wild cards uh, or whatever? You're yeah, you're, you're actually probably right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> very, that's very similar. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so we, 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 you know, we wanted to eat some hot chicken. So we went to Prince's and I said, you know, hot was great, but it could be hotter. And so I got extra hot. And you know what? That was great too. And it didn't kill me either. And I might even consider doing extra, extra hot. Except that, <laughs> on both accounts, it trashed my guts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. crimes have been committed. I've been life. pooping all day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have that experience with the hot? It was not as prolonged at ah, this point. Yeah. I, my thought is, I'm going to kick it down a mild next time. Yeah. Or medium. 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 And see if maybe I can enjoy the spice of hot chicken without having adverse after effects that are more of a nuisance than anything, but a substantial nuisance. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, then I'm just going to say, fuck it. Because <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Nashville hot chicken, there is a wide array of different spices and spice mixes and different groups and the, the way that those um, various chickens interact with your body. Um, and some chicken sits better with people than they do with others. And, and princes just might not be, just might not be, might, might not, not be. be for you. Might not be. But then that's we... okay. Although, but princes is the hottest that it, I, I, I feel personally that their hot level is the hottest of all of the 
um, mm -hmm. the wide swath of, of uh, Nashville hot chickens. If you go to hot, every you know everybody has their different level of hot, mm -hmm. and but hot at Prince's is no joke, no joke. <laughs> well, here's here's this other thing though. After we did Prince's, we went to a place called Game Galaxy. Yeah, have you heard of this place, Luke? No, I don't need my home. Apparently. Throughout the last several years, Game Galaxy has been moving from place to place to place, and now they're down in a, in a realm called Smyrna. A realm. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to describe Smyrna. <laughs> it's Smyrna. Sticks. It's, it's, it's out of the way, but that has afforded them a peculiar-looking alleyway. If you've seen, if you've seen the first season of Halt and Catch Fire, there's like what's meant to be. Uh, a slummy video a video arcade bar or something in Austin, Texas in the mid-80s. And this place looks kind of like the exteriors that they chose for that. It looks like a weird warehouse district sort of thing. Um, and then across the street, apparently, there's a large board game retailer. But this, this place, it's mysterious, but you go inside, and folks, I've seen a lot of arcades in my time, but I've never seen a collection like this, Ooh. ever, ever. It's $10 for the day, and wow. this is not just arcade games. They also let you play. You have full access with your pass to play like Atari to PlayStation VR games. Dude. But their cabinets, oh my God. Their pinball machines, oh my God. There's a lot of things they had like complete collections of. Like they had Mortal Kombat 1 through 4. They had Pac-Man through Junior Pac-Man and also something called like Baby Pac-Man that was a hybrid pinball machine and also Super Pac-Man Plus, which I've like never seen before. I knew it existed, but like one of those intermediate in between Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man, there were other variations. Um, <laughs> the route to Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> yeah. They had a Temple of Doom arcade game I'd never seen before. They had a yeah. Batman 89 arcade game I've never seen before. They had a Batman Forever arcade game I'd never seen before. They had Space Ace and Dragon's Lair, uh, they had a... They have Revolution X. They did have Revolution Amazing. X. <laughs> they had all the Ninja Turtles arcade games. Did they have Battletoads? They that's did not, have Battletoads. That's not a meme. <laughs> they, they, they did actually have Battletoads. I didn't know there was a sequel to Joust. They had no. Joust 2, Survival of the Fittest. They had Sunset Riders. They had, they had Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and Star Wars Arcade. They had Cowboys of Moon Mesa. What? You they, they had... They had Aliens, the 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 side scroller shooter mm. aliens. They mm. had Alien versus Predator. I don't think they had the Aliens gun game, but whatever. Mm. Like those two far surpassed that, and they're far rarer. They had Cadillacs and dinosaurs. They had Bucky O'Hare. They had games I'd either seen once or never. And I, I, it was so extreme. I thought, oh my god, they're actually going to probably have the Willow arcade game. Alas, they did not. I didn't but, even know that existed. <laughs> they had they had the real Ghostbusters. They they had something called. Caveman Ninja, which is apparently the arcade version of Joe and Mac for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> wow. They had a G.I. Joe game I'd never seen before. No. I can't express to you enough the degrees of impressed I am with this collection, other than to continue to rattle off things like Smash TV and Tubin. <laughs> Tubin? Did they have yeah. that, that one Jurassic Park game where you sit down and then you ride in the car? They did not shoot raptors. They did not have an abundance of Dang. car games. They had a Dr. Mario arcade cabinet, which I'd never seen before. Nope. They had actually, they had all the all the Donkey Kongs, even the one with Stanley the Bugman. Hmm. Game Galaxy, folks, I don't know when you're going to get out to the middle of nowhere. Smyrna, Tennessee. Yeah. Well, Smyrna's like, for Smyrna's like 15, eh, 15 yeah. 20 minutes from downtown Nashville. Yeah, it's, it's not, not really it's far. Not that I, I make jokes because it's on the other side of Nashville for yeah. me, and it's even more sticks than the place I'm from. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I was hella impressed with that. Yeah. But, but Luke and I, we, we, had a, we had a time as well. We did. We, we hung out in more ancient Rome. More distinguished. Yeah, very much more distinguished. <laughs> The uh, the Frist Center, which is a art museum slash regular museum here in town, has an exhibition. It's a partnership with the British Museum with a bunch of their Roman stuff coming over. We saw like I saw a, a statue of Agrippa's head. I saw a I saw a little token that was a gladiator's proof that he didn't have to be a gladiator gladiator anymore. It made me real happy. They also had um, it was like a a little knickknack sized version of a gladiator's helmet that was apparently a lamp. That was sold like at the Coliseum as a souvenir to go, uh, novel uh, novelty, know, novelty stuff. stuff Ask yeah. you guys, <laughs> gladiator oil lamps. Get your gladiator oil lamps here. Take the action home with you. <laughs> we got red team. We got blue team. <laughs> this exhibit was wonderful because it, it didn't just have the gigantic stone sculptures of impeccable detail that you come to expect from ancient Rome exhibits, mm -hmm. but it also had a, uh, many of the wonderful artifacts that reminds us. 
that they were a hell of a lot like we were yeah. to a degrees that we don't appreciate. It's a thing that I keep coming back to as a big fan of history is that people have always been people. And then little theater tickets and their decorative lamps and stuff is a little evidence of that that we can still see. Yeah, there was um, there was this, I don't know what the fuck the purpose of it was, but there was a marble sculpture that was like a panel about as big around as... I don't know, a car seat or something. And it was this, it was a, an inexplicable sculptural representation of female toiletries of the Roman era. Yeah. Made at the time. Yeah. There was like sandals, makeup kits, like. Something that looked just like a compact. Yeah. Like three things that looked just was, like compact. All the stuff on there was recognizable as usable toiletries of today. Yeah. And I mean, gosh, so much is unchanged. There was the, the, the bath scraper. That was a little weird. So there's a strange hook where they would oil you up and then scrape the filth off of you. Yeah, if anyone knows where I can actually have that service done, I'm very <laughs> curious and genuinely want to experience it. Uh, <laughs> there was also a, a statue that was apparently used by a Mithras cult, which has Mithras stabbing a bull. But also in the statue, there's a scorpion, and he has a hold of the bull's testicles. And I'm certain that this is significant in some symbolic way, but I haven't figured it out yet. I looked it up on Wikipedia. Yeah. There weren't an abundance of clear answers, no. and, the, and the Mithras cult is still very shrouded in mystery. Yes. Um, however, it's suspected that it is meant to be astrological in nature uh, because Taurus and Scorpio are on parallel sides of the chart. Zodiac. Thingy. Yeah. Yes. And it's funny to see a scorpion pinch a bull's balls. Yeah, but like it's like the, and that this is like a common thing. Like you know when yeah. when you see Mithras slaying the bull, be sure to look out for the scorpion. Pinch. And also, what was really funny about it is like there it is, front and center, massive swollen pair of testicles, <laughs> scorpion pincher like thoroughly hooked. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, there's no not it's not questionable. And, yeah, not mentioned anywhere on the literature no. associated <laughs> with the statue. It's an important detail, and I need to know about it. <laughs> it's staring you straight in the face. Like you can't you can't miss it. <laughs> you are in Nashville. You are in the south, and therefore it's censored. People uh, yep. just sort of harumph, harumph past it, or whatever yeah. the southern version of harumph is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll go all day. We'll go all day. <laughs> We also saw an exhibit by Nick Cave, not the musician. Um, yeah. <laughs> this guy makes these sound suits. They're they're called as such because when you wear them, they're these skin tight knitted things. Oftentimes, they'll make all kinds of a ruckus. But they're also like they're very based around uh, African ceremonial garbs or Tibetan things. And it'd be like what looks like grandma's quilt knitted around a human figure, and then a metal scaffolding that'll hold a bunch of like 1930s tin toys, like tops and such, and then like a, a cutout bootleg Donald Duck. Yeah, thing. <laughs> so I remember that. One. <laughs> Seven wigs on stands, hovering around the body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> neat stuff. And then also did a piece that we spent a lot of time with, and we it did had a really yeah. preposterous amount of time with uh, this large installation. Picture a bead curtain that you would see in like. Uh, any beach bum shop, or even oh, what's the novelty store that's in every mall that's uh, name has complete Spencer's. Spencer's. Yeah, Spencer's, you can even yeah. find some of these in like Spencer's, but turned into they're hung up in such a way that it's all and it's all called Enchanted Forest. And depending on the angle you're looking at it, you see different stuff. Yeah, basically he took he took these bead curtains, and I was looking at, it, I was like, I, I see prints in here, like a Woody, like a surf yeah. car, like and a leopard face, and like. Shit that looks like you know lousy towels. Therefore, yeah. these much have come from a beast from a beach shop. So. So I'm like, okay, so but like, but these these beat curtains, they're too tall. He couldn't have possibly bought them. And then I realized that they were mirrored on the bottom. Yeah. So he bought two of them and then restrung them into be, being like gigantically long and inverse from one another. And then sequenced them in this huge shape in the middle of a room. It must have been 15 feet long. Yeah. Yeah. And so you look at him and it's this bizarre optical illusion that kind of gives you a headache. <laughs> but <laughs> it was, at the same time, you keep changing angles trying to find a new thing that you didn't notice yet. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's neat stuff. Yeah. We had a good week, folks. We did. Yeah. And we didn't even talk Richard. about the concert that we went to. Or the other Oh my God, you're right. We went to. You're right. Yeah. We'll leave the way, Colin. So we, uh, we went to um, Oz Arts, which is a kind of like an event. It's an event uh, artistic space in Nashville, and um, they had an exhibition, tour, concert experience thing um, called the uh, Satellite Orchestra. Um, with well, I guess it's the Kid Koala Satellite. I guess is what it what okay, it is. Because so, Kid Koala is this DJ. This, yeah, this, yeah, he's uh, part from of Montreal. He's part of Deltron Thirty Thirty. Mm. He did some soundtrack elements to Scott Pilgrim. He's responsible for the remixes in Baby Driver. Like, that entire thing conceptually, like, he's the person who technically implemented that. 
um, and worked out, you know, how it would be represented visually in the film to some degree. So well-known DJ put out a new record called Satellite. And this is his tour for that record, which is an interactive experience. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Basically, there are tables set up in this space with these modified turntables with a built-in um, effects uh, effects uh, pedal box. rack yeah. thing, and then yeah. um, a light that's basically it's a Philips Hue. Yeah. Um, and um, like four different double-sided records. At the beginning, he taught us how to all use the the records and there are probably about how, how many record players do you think that they're of these tables maybe like 40 there were there, 50? there were 50 of them um so 50 50 of these apparatuses on various tables with four people sitting at each table and um in the beginning taught us how to use these uh these machines by saying okay when i put on this colored light when i put on the orange light put the orange record on the on the on the you know on the turntable i'm gonna teach you how to scratch and so like we did scratch i'm gonna teach you how to bump i'm gonna teach you how to you know do make some fun sounds play with the effects and make all sorts of fun stuff and so and the volume fader and uh so as he would play his music he would then cue us to do to play these tonal sounds that's what were on these records and so the whole audience was a part of the music so we would at one of his at one of his songs he he would put on the green record and then we would scratch and do all sorts of stuff and do all you know fun stuff. It and was then, up to us to do it, but yeah. like the idea was like let's try to do it well. And we yeah. were being recorded for Canadian radio. Yeah. And so and then like when he would turn the light on, that's when it would go, and then he would turn the light off and all of us would turn the mute to the sound down. And so it was a really cool experience to be a part of this, you know, this tonal music thing. Um, that really was very visceral and it was a really interesting thing to be a part of and at least like play with the records yeah. and play with the tones and play with the sounds. Those little knobs and stuff um, are fun to play with. Yeah, they really, I mean, it is, it's fun. Um, and uh, it was really cool because at certain aspects of the time they would have, the one guy would come out and he would conduct the, what they called the orchestra, we were the orchestra, where half of the half of the the team, half of the room would play, and then the other half of the room would play. And so we couldn't really hear it when we were all playing together because you could really only hear your own turntable for the most part. But then when our side was turned off, you could hear what they were hearing, which was what um, that half of the audience a fuller, was playing. Bigger, a fuller, bigger, crazier yeah. sound than we had any idea we were responsible yeah, for. Yeah, and so all, but all of us were creating this thing together. Yeah. Um, which was a really neat, uh, really, really neat experience. And they also had this amazing chemical puppeteer. Is that what yeah, her title there, was? There was a woman named Karina Blue who, uh, Blau, she's a chemical puppeteer. Yeah. And what that means is they, they had screens up and she was creating the visualizations for, uh, for the show live. And Satellite is a concept record about a, a couple where one of them is traveling out to Mars for like a, to be a colonizer like forever. Um, and it's, it's actually a really very compelling emotional story told mostly instrumentally but with, with some vocals from an Icelandic performer. And, uh, and so all these, but all these, these things are being visually represented by this woman like squirting chemicals and dusting things into water or over glass surfaces that she's shining lights through and positioning different cameras over. They create these layered galactic kind of shapes that like transform as she builds on them and combines different elements and into how the chemicals react with each other yeah. and yeah it's an amazing it's like it's like they create almost like you know algae like layers or like plumes of of like you know when you're putting dye in water or like milk and tea sort of or like misting like dust across the surface and like sparkles and things and yeah. they cr just create this like amazing patterns i've never seen anything like it before and it's, it's beautiful it's absolutely beautiful yeah no, it was it was an incredible it was incredible. If it's coming to your town, I would definitely check out Satellite. Uh, it was definitely an awesome experience that you should you should definitely check out. Yeah, they're also calling it they call it an ambient vinyl orchestra. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to hear what the recording is because I mean like because the ambient quality to it like is was lost on us in, in mm -hmm. large part. Like we don't really know what we sounded like. We had fun. It was a great time. But like, what did we make? We don't know what we made yet, <laughs> and I want to find out what we made. Yeah, it's true. I'm curious about how he like time synced everybody because i can tell you from experience that crowds can't clap together let alone scratch together he told us well it wasn't necessarily that they sc wasn't scratching all at the same time it was the by scratching this tone together and with at different speeds and frequencies hmm. it created this sound that 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 everything together mixing on top of itself 
was the sound that he was looking for. Okay. And so it was really what he was most concerned about was the um, cueing of on and off. So when the lights would turn off, all of us eventually were like, yeah. oh, bam. And then like everything would turn off. And he got really excited um, because apparently we were on point with turning everything off. And I do have to say, a lot of musicians come to Nashville and they're like, oh, this really is Music City. Like, yeah. you guys can clap in rhythm. And, like, you know, there's a lot there for the most part. They clap on um, one and three, but yeah. Yeah, well, well sure. That's Musician the, joke. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a, it's a, um, it's like, it was a good time. So. Good trip. Yeah, it, it a wonderful trip. Thank you both yeah. for showing me a really wonderful it's time. Good yeah, to see yeah. you again. <laughs> it's great to see you guys. Yeah. Like, it doesn't happen often enough. Maybe we'll get to hear more from you on Nerdy Show sooner than later, I would sure. hope. Maybe, who knows? But if you're hankering for regular old Nerdy Show, it's going to happen real soon. <laughs> could it happen next week? It could. But also, we might do that uh, thing I mentioned in the last episode, which is speaking with Jazzy from Fangamer about her incredible avant-garde Mario Paint animations that she's doing. More on that at a later date. Anyway, if you dug this episode and any of the content that we put out here on the Nerdy Show Network, we rely completely on your support. Head to patreon.com slash nerdy show. Get all kinds of bonus features there, starting at just a dollar. Early releases also starting at just a dollar, even more at $5 and, and on up. Different perks, all kinds of stuff. We also do one-time donations at nerdyshow.com slash support. And... If you don't have any money to throw our way, we do understand, though I will point out, even a dollar helps. I personally think that Cap's worth a dollar. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I would buy that for a dollar. <laughs> I would buy Cap for a dollar. I, I would buy Cap for $12. Some, even. For, for a year. Yeah. yeah. For, you know, a subscription, a $12 Cap subscription for 12 bucks. I have upwards of $14 on me right now that I would get for Cap. <laughs> well, please do consider patreon.com slash nerdy show, but... If you want to do something that is very important that involves no money whatsoever, do head to iTunes to give us a rating or a review. Or also on Podchaser if you want to rate and review this specific episode. That's a wonderful up-and-coming platform for podcast discovery. They're trying to be the IMDb of podcasts, and they're doing a damn good job of it. And uh, also I want to point out that uh, the Nerdlesque Festival is happening this month at Coney Island. This is the an international showing of nerdy burlesque performers put on by Nerdy Show's own Lefty Lucy. This is I, maybe the third or fourth year she's done it, and the talent roster is absolutely incredible. If you want to have your mind blown by burlesque, if you want to have your mind blown by nerdy references in the burlesque format, if are you anywhere near New York or you want a, an excuse to fly out to New York, you should go to the Nerdlesque Festival. It's happening April 27th through 29th, and you can go to the nerdlesquefest.com. It is spelled like it sounds. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back with regularly scheduled Nerdy Show programs real soon. I've been traveling a lot. I'm going to be at Moogfest next month. Colin's shaking his head. You can't hear it, but he's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been traveling too much. Hopefully you've had fun with these uh, this weird cornucopia of releases, and let us know one way or the other. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.